21 Jump Street Friends and Family The original With Johnny Depp As the like original. a wee wee babe Yeah Wee babe My parents used to own it On uh, DVD When I was a child And I made Carly Watch it with me Cause I was like I have so many fond memories Of this stupid show I'm so glad that we did I mean we only watched Two episodes But the writing Is ridiculous Absolutely incredible The way that they Structure the show The acting the direction, Fucking the camera big. angles make no goddamn sense. Everything is horrible. Johnny Depp's playing the saxophone and looking at a picture of his dead father. <laughs> My God. The one episode ended with that guy being like, <laughs> what did he say? He was like, he was like, don't be a, like a, a scabber or something. And then it like cut to the credit. It was just like right in the middle of a scene where there was like a conversation evolving and it looked like it might lead somewhere. And he just said a line and this it froze and like the credits rolled. It's like it cut mid-sentence, too. Anyway. Hi, Carly. Hi, Katie. <laughs> How are you doing on this fine morning? I'm doing okay. I just spilled a whole water. Yeah, that was... In, we the, had, in this tiny closet. Yeah, we had a tsunami for a second. Yeah, we were like, everybody, save the wife and children. Save the laptops. Save your mugs. Um, but I'm good. It's like a beautiful little rainy morning. It's so beautiful. So I, I made some coffee and I read... The rest of this play that I've been reading mm. did some yoga, feeling good. How about you? That. Mine was great. I had to do my my weekly weigh in at my eating disorder recovery group, um, but then I was the main character and I sat in a cafe and worked mm-hmm. on a trauma workbook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, apparently, I got it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's been a weird realization. Yeah. But not a bad one. Something to work towards. A goal, truly. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a lot of people out there (laughs) dealing with trauma. And family dynamics? Absolutely. Where the trauma stems from. Families. Families. And we would know. We would know. Because we are just Just like like other girls, but we're not like other podcasts. Sibling only child edition? Something like that. Something like that. Family dynamics? Yeah. I mean, we always talk about our roles in our families. Like, constantly, I'm like, yeah, I'm an only child, so blank. And it's used as the context for a lot of my adult behavior. But I don't think we've ever, like, deep dived. Totally. Deep dove. Deep dove into what it's like to be an only child. Well, just like, and you being the baby. I know. If you, would you have guessed that I was the youngest child? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Maybe not when I first met you, but now after living with you, 100%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes total sense to my brain. Yeah. No, I, I love being the baby. <laughs> like, I, I love it. I relish it. I feel very lucky. 
um, because by the time I was around, I mean, I have a pretty decent age gap, like eight years. Yeah. So by the time I was around and a kid and going to high school, my parents had like clocked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, we already did all of the safe things with these other kids. It's going to be okay. They say free range, bitch. And I went, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was really great. And also the worst, like most things, right? Yeah. So like what happened? In what ways? <laughs> um, I didn't really have a curfew. Mm-hmm. Like, on school nights, I could stay out till, like, 2. I think it's because my parents knew I was a loser. <laughs> what were you doing? I was, like, with my, like, two best friends, and we were watching, like, drag race videos and <laughs> eating McDonald's and, like, laughing at fan fiction. Like, I wasn't ever doing anything that was bad. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, kind of nice. No, yeah, super fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, I remember I used to have nightmares. Not, I didn't have it a lot, but I remember I had a nightmare when I was a kid that my mom was like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, but I'm the, I'm the baby. I'm the baby. <laughs> I remember it was like a huge uh, shock in my dream. And I remember waking up and being like, ugh, God, if that happened, that would really mess me up. What do you think that is? Like, what are, what do you think it is, the the attachment to being the baby? Mm, I think you do get a lot of attention. Uh, and I also think you are the one people... look out for the most? Mm. Or, like, I don't know. I think I think if there was another kid involved... It wouldn't even be like I was the middle child. It'd be like I would be two, like there'd be two middle children. Yeah. So I feel like that would be a whole different dynamic. I think I would just feel like I was forgotten. Mm. Um, but that could just be my fear of abandonment, abandonment in general. Which also stems from familial trauma? Question yeah. mark, question mark? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you feel like... How do you feel like your I'm baby manifests like in your adult life now that you live away from your parents on your own in a different city how do you feel like you you feel it come up I think I've gotten a lot better at my I'm baby Baby. Uh, yeah we haven't really like brought that term back out in a minute we we started it uh I think that's yeah for the best for the best that's straight up gross like our first episode we were like I'm killing I'm baby and I feel like I basically did. But yeah, I think, um, how do my, um, I definitely think I'm needy. I think I like constant inten- uh, uh, attention and constant reassurance. Bing. Uh, I think when I feel like I am forgotten or left out, I either want to like hide away or like lash out. Mm. Um, uh, I really like having my own space, like, my own safe space to go to. Yeah. Was that a thing? Like, did each of your siblings have their own rooms mm-hmm, when you grew mm-hmm. up? Yeah. I will. I feel like a lot of people can relate to this. When I was growing up, like, the one place I felt, like, was safe was my room. Mm. Uh, especially because I had a lock on my door, so I would literally just lock my door and, like, hide away. Because you had... Like, your siblings would come in and take your shit, right? Yeah, that's a fun... That's a fun dynamic. Uh, yeah, I would have... Uh, I would have my siblings come in and 
uh, steal my money. And there was like an eight year difference. So it's like your 18 year old sister is robbing your 10 year old self. And you're like, I don't understand. I'm 10 years old. This is all my money. Uh, <laughs> like $20 is spent at the mall. Yeah. Uh, and of course my, my parents are very much like, uh, kill or be killed. Like mm. it's on you. Hide it better. You oh, shouldn't leave shit. it. Oh shit. And of course I was victim like. victim blame you? I'd be like. But it was in my room. And they'd be like, well, you should have hid it. And I was like, what? Internalize. What do you mean I have to hide things that I don't want people to steal? Um, Jesus. So, yeah, I think, I honestly think sometimes I, I've gotten a lot better since living with you and not really uh, feeling like I need to protect my stuff mm -hmm. or that it was like you would steal it and then you would gaslight me that I didn't direct the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like I think for I think for a while I would have to be like no you took it and no one would believe me and I'd be like no really I know you took it because no one else did yeah um but I don't think that is as big of a bother anymore like I feel like you could borrow my shit and I, I wouldn't flinch anymore but I think when I first lived with not even you but like when I first lived with someone I'd be like don't touch my shit yeah don't touch my shit yeah uh, I mean I feel like we've we've done that rodeo together because I've kind of been the same way where being an only child, I did not, like, I never have had a problem with sharing, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have never really had to share shit with other people. Yeah. Like, especially other people my own age. And so I think when I first started living with other people and I would come home and stuff was moved around or, like, I saw that, like, my roommate had used something of mine and I would be just, like audacity <laughs> the audacity um and now i think i've chilled out being like okay i don't know it's funny because i think we're on this this different plane with our relationship now because it's one thing if you have a roommate that you're like this is a temporary living situation we don't know each other super well like i'm gonna need to set some boundaries and be like hey it's okay if you use my stuff you just need to ask you know and like lay very specific ground rules but i feel like we even had this moment last night where we were brushing our teeth together and we were like, this is what it feels like to be sisters because I was like, I know you've been using my toothpaste. <laughs> but, you know, I, there's not a score being kept because, I don't know, it's our house. Yeah. It's just, I think it's different now because it's just the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like before when it was four of us in here, it felt like you would offend for your space just mm. because there's so many people. Yeah. Like no matter, I mean, we all, obviously we love them. Uh, we love them. But, love them. you know. Yeah. It's a tiny little space. So you're like, what? don't touch it. It's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now it feels like, okay, amenities are in flux. Things, yeah. We have the resources that we need. Like, yeah, you can eat my food. Exactly. Can, no, yeah. I, I love that because then I feel like. I eat one of Carly's bananas, and then Carly eats whatever I bring in, and I don't know. Yeah. It does feel like... We're providing for the same house. Yeah. I think it kind of it goes back to our support for one another, where we're like, I give you the best of myself, you give me the best of yourself, we take it all for what it is, we just try to, like, sustain and nourish mm -hmm. this thing, mm -hmm. stay afloat together. Yeah. In this house, we care. No, I feel like we've... I don't know if it's because of how we grew up, but I feel like we really honor our apartment as, like, a safe haven. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we're, like, toxic people. Not you are not coming through this fucking door. Which I love, because I think in the past, I don't know. I mean, 
our relationship stayed over and over and over again is so special to me because it it just feels like a sense of safety and security that I've never had and so there's something really nice about then getting to create this like small kingdom that we live inside yeah that's how it is and then just being like we get to make the rules we know that we're on the same page and so sometimes things happen and we're like in our house Mm -mm. surely not (laughs) surely not nothing's funnier than like something happening or someone saying something to us in our house and being like they're never allowed back (laughs) (laughs) they're on the fucking blacklist yeah uh which hasn't honestly happened a lot but when it does i'm like no chopping it again it does make me feel like we're married (laughs) it just makes me i feel this way anytime we are talking to somebody and being like oh did you hear that so and so is doing oh we need to see them we need to see them soon yeah we need to take them to dinner have them over when we combine ourselves into one thing one unit yeah yeah for sure or when we finish each other's sentences or when when we we go when we go i already told carly Carly this oh yeah i already told carly this you're filling somebody else in on the yeah. tea, and you're like, okay, you, you already know this, yeah. because you get it all immediately. Yeah. But, like, I feel like I have to, for some reason, be like, oh, Carly already knows this. But anyway, like, I don't know why. <laughs> it makes me feel good. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but I, I mean, I also feel very lucky to have you, because I, obviously, you, you didn't grow up with any siblings, uh, but it, we do have a very sister dynamic of, like, unconditional love, like, ride or die, like you piss me off, I'm going to be mad at you, but I also will do anything for you and I will kill anyone for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just interesting because I think it's an extension of myself that I've never experienced before where I'm the same way where I'm like, I do something I don't like today. It doesn't define me. Next day is different. You know, just allowing for each moment to be whatever it is and feeling that's like, that's true of our relationship. Like you were just saying, you know, we have a moment where we're, like, thing, and then the next moment we're back to whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to baseline. But, yeah, the only child thing, I would I feel like there's just such a pervasive stereotype about only children being, what, like... Loud. Yeah, like, totally loud. No, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, loud, and what is the thing, word that I'm looking for? Like, um, entitled mm-hmm. and, I don't know, not good with other people or mm-hmm. there are some people that I know who are only children where I'm like, yeah, that tracks. Like, they clearly have always been at the center of their world. They're spoiled. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and I feel like on my best days, I'm none of those things. On my worst days, I am at least three of those things. <laughs> but... I'd like to think that me being an only child is mostly manifested in feeling this weird sense of, like, hyper-independence and also, like, a perpetual loneliness <laughs> yeah. that I just, like, cannot shake. Yeah, for sure. But it's interesting because I think I spent so much of my young life, like, reading and writing and, like, living in a fantasy world, which has kind of led me to be an artist and kind of carve that stuff out for myself when my parents are not at all artistic there's not really a lot of there are almost no artists in my family like that's just not something that was really cultivated Mm -hmm. 
so it did very much feel like I was creating my own world. And, uh, yeah, we kind of talked about this in the last episode, but always sort of pining or wanting some sort of other figure. And for me, I think it was like an older mentor figure to help me through what I was experiencing Mm -hmm. with like the turmoil between my parents and watching them go through their separation and just wanting somebody to like show me the ropes and tell me what to do and how to do it and like protect me Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of the time I was experiencing things with my parents and I didn't understand them and they were clearly like emotionally fraught like they were there was just so much turmoil for so long. Like, I have all these memories of, like, going on vacation with my parents, which is something that we did often, I was lucky to do. But, uh, you know, they would fight, and, like, they would both be drinking, so they would get in these explosive fights. And I have all these memories of, like, being in the back seat, and I'm, like, laughing as a kid, and then my dad would get mad at me for laughing. And I realize now that I'm, like, I didn't know how to process Yeah, you were just stress. overwhelmed what was going on. Yeah, and I feel like that's still a... a an impulse that I have sometimes when like something else like, something bad is happening yeah I can feel that bubbling up anyways but you know this explosive thing happens and then the next morning my parents act like it didn't happen mm-hmm. and I'm confused because I was like there were so many imminent looming threats that were happening last night like so many stakes. Yeah. Do I still have a family? Like, do you guys still love each other? Are we still yeah. on vacation? Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, I just felt like there was this weird instability and I had nobody to turn to to be like, is this weird? Mm-hmm. Do you see this? Do mm-hmm. you understand? Yeah. Like, mom's saying these things. And it's also weird because when I did turn to somebody, it was a parent, right? So, like, for me, it was my dad. I would my mom and I would get into a fight or like my mom would do something and I would turn to my dad and be like why is she like that why is this happening um you know I wish you guys would just get divorced and it's not like that's a neutral party yeah you know because on one hand he's my dad and he also is going through things with my mom so he was like it was hard for him to parse out what exactly he should be saying to his child Mm -hmm. and I think at a a young age I just came to accept the reality of what we were living in so I feel like I grew up really fast which yeah positives and negatives there yeah it's so interesting because like you never had someone to look at you and be like that's just dad or like that's Mm -hmm. not about you you know like I feel like with older sisters like say my mom and my dad reacted in a way that like was upsetting to me uh, one of them would be like, that's not about you. That's them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think my dad did that a little bit. I think there was a lot of like, yeah, your mom is like that. Mm-hmm. But then it just created this weird, like, whose side are you on mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that would be really difficult. Yeah. As a child, dude, to navigate that. I don't know, it, it's really interesting because, like, I feel like as a younger as the youngest child you also get labeled as spoiled mm. so maybe that's why we can connect because <laughs> <laughs> we're both spoiled because we're both spoiled but like I feel like since the age difference was so big for me um there was a lot of time where I was alone like I remember growing up there would be tons of summers where my parents are working full-time 
my sisters are in high school, so they have their lives, and they would never be home, and it would just be me alone for, like, hours and hours. Uh, um, and I remember always being, like, I would always remember calling my mom and being, like, hi, mom, how's work? And she'd be, like, good, and I'd be, like, I made some toast. She'd be, <laughs> like, okay, I'll see you later, and I'd go, when do you come home? Yeah. She'd be, like, 4.30, I'd be, like, okay, I'll be here. Um, and I just remember, like, always feeling like I was waiting for someone to, like, mm. <laughs> come back. Because I always felt like I was left. Uh, so, yeah, I, I obviously wasn't an only child. But I do, I, I, I remember experiencing extreme loneliness because I felt like I couldn't keep up with my sisters because mm. I, I wasn't old enough. And I also, like, wasn't young enough to, like, have someone be home and yeah. take care of me all the time. Yeah. Um which was weird. Like, I remember from California, we would have, like, beautiful earthquakes, right? Uh, and I remember this one day, there was, like, a huge earthquake. It was, like, during the summer, and it was just me alone, and I must have been, like, nine or ten. Jesus. And it was just me, and I hid under my couch, or my couch, my dining table, and my dog came out, and I was just staring at him, and I was like, Marshy, Marshy, come here! And, like, <laughs> a little kid, and he's just like, what the? He's just staring at me. And I remember after that, calling my mom and just, like, crying. And being like, can you come home? And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. Uh, well, it's, it makes me think of that memory that you talk about where you are like, you want to sleep with your parents. And you go to them and you're like, hello, can I sleep with you? Yeah. No, I, I slept with my parents till I was like nine. Damn. I think. N- maybe eight. I don't know. I, I, I old enough to where I was like, I should stop. Like, you were aware that you should stop? Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't think any of my other friends do this. Mm. Um, but I would just get... God, it's so funny. Sorry, it's so funny being an adult and being like... I was suffering from intense anxiety. Yeah. I couldn't sleep alone. I would start having panic attacks. Mm. And then sometimes I would get so upset that I would throw up. Mm. And then I'd be like... I threw up in my bed, and my mom would be like, God damn it! <laughs> Just go to sleep! <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I, another thing about being, like, the youngest in such a big age gap is, like, everyone sees you go through such high emotional s- points in your life, like being a, a teenager, mm-hmm. or, like, going to college, and they're they've passed that so they mm. are like why are you acting like this which like, doesn't make sense to me because you think that if they had passed it already they'd be like oh i remember what it was like to experience that i'm not sure i mean i feel like i feel like everyone was just like you're always so emotional and you're always this and they'd be like i'm 13 i'm a 13 year old child like it's part of the deal yeah it, it would just always felt like i i needed to be older than i was and i was like i can't keep up i can't keep up mm. um yeah. Do you feel like as an adult, there? Because you said that you felt like you had to grow up fast. Oh yeah. Yeah, too. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like as an adult, you find parts of yourself, like inner child parts that aren't healed, coming out and being like, "I want to be the child that I didn't get to be." Yeah, I I think so. I mean, yeah, I think I just had a lot of experiences when I was younger that made me 
realize the horrors of the world before I maybe should have. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I felt like I had a fight or flight when I was, like, a kid. Um, and now that I'm an adult and I, like, like we were saying, we have our own space. We, like, have our own loving support group. Like, I, I have the ability to heal that inner child. Because um, I definitely feel how fucking wounded it is sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's why I love pink. Like, I, I think there was a long time where I felt like I couldn't be feminine or be a, a woman because I was scared to be a girl because people didn't like girls and they would, you'd get hurt if you were small and weak and, yeah. and pink. We, like, infantilize women, so. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to be seen was as, like, a small, pink, weak woman because I was scared of that. But now that I can be that, I'm like, I love pink, and I love being feminine, and I love being uh, light and fun and silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I definitely think I'm healing that aesthetically, honestly, but also just letting myself do what I want Mm -hmm. and eat what I want and sleep when I want and see who I want, you know? Yeah. Uh, and trying not to let other people's opinions sway that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, there is that, from what you're describing, like, there's something about the abandonment that was, like, so uh, like impactful to you as a child that made you, like... The avoidant or not avoidant the uh, anxious attachment that you kind of experience now as an adult and mm-hmm. like the feeling of dependence mm-hmm. and needing that um and i just think it's interesting that you are now like you're stepping into like a self-serving independence where you're like what do i need what do i want yeah you know i don't need other people to reassure and secure me i can have that on my own i can yeah. take care of myself and you've helped me heal from that oh. like having a healthy relationship that challenges your attachment style Mm. and like honoring yourself but also honoring that person Mm. like it's really helped me grow um i hope one day it's gonna take a long time i could live in more of a secure attachment style that's Um, the goal for all of us right (laughs) yeah and i think i'm i'm definitely moving towards that way i'm slowly yeah but there's progress like i i don't feel as uh Anxious. Well, before I felt like I always had a bomb strapped to me, mm. and it was like counting down when someone was gonna leave me. Jesus, fuck. And I'd have to be like, okay, what, what, what trick can I do to make the Take time them. to time go up a little higher before <sighs> I explode? Um, but I don't feel that way anymore. Thank God. Thank God. Because it's a fucking stressful way to live your life and maintain relationships for everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Bong. Ah. Do you want to talk about how you feel like your childhood has impacted your avoidant attachment style? Sure. Um, Toss the ball up to you, pass it. Yeah, caught it. (laughs) Juggle it. Put it in my mouth. Um, Yeah, I feel like this is something I've thought about at length. Mm -hmm. I think... I don't know. I think it's, it's hard to not take into account my parents' relationship when I look at it. Because I think... I don't know. I think I would go through these cycles where 
I was very close to a one parent and then I felt dismissed or like rejected by them. And so then I would go to the other parent and like that parent wasn't able to show up for me emotionally or couldn't provide the care that I needed, which is what it is. And they were all doing the best that they could. So I think as an adult, I think to me, like, the, the root of the avoidance is just my fear of vulnerability mm-hmm. and feeling like any time that I saw one of my parents being vulnerable with the other, there's specifically my father, like, any time I saw vulnerability exposed, it was outed as weakness, it was exploited, you know, I saw there was... I don't know it's gotten much better in the years but like it was difficult to have any sort of healthy communication about how someone was feeling or how somebody's actions made another person feel like emotional regulation just wasn't a thing in my house so I learned to internalize a lot of my feelings and just suppress them which has been so great in my acting training because I feel like I've learned to access things that I just thought I didn't have like I thought I just was a person who couldn't feel very much Um, And now I feel like I can feel much more fully. But I think as far as relationships go, I think, I don't know how much of it, it, well, I guess it does have to do with the only child thing. It's just this, like, pervasive belief that I'm better off alone, and, like, I can't get hurt if I'm alone, Mm -hmm. I can do everything I need by myself, I can make it by myself, um... Again, I think I saw this in my parents' relationship. I have this memory from, it was, I think it was first grade. We had this assignment that was like, if I was president, I would do this. And it was like really like simple. You just had to fill in a blank. And I think, <laughs> I think I wrote something like, if I was president, my first order would be that if you want something done, you should do it yourself. <laughs> and... My teacher was like, why don't you try that again? Why don't you, why don't you rethink that? And like, look at, look at that. And then I was like, fuck it. I don't know. And I was like, I want every day to be Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just funny to me because I think, obviously I'm a child and I don't understand what that means. I don't know the weight of it, but I learned very on, very early on, I think from my mother that like that sort of attitude is regarded as strong and, um... Something you should, like, aspire to be. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. admirable. So, there is a lot of that. I remember, like, being in high school and there was a girl who had just admitted that she had feelings for somebody that she was sleeping with. And it became this, like, big point of trauma. And somebody asked me about it and clearly because it had become this big point of drama this girl was like okay I just was put in this very vulnerable position and like now everybody's talking about it and I feel very humiliated and whatever and she was having like an emotional reaction to it and I remember being like I think she's really weak I think she shouldn't have done that I think that you know she should have played the game better yeah boink 
And I think that that's a really, a really hard thing to let go of because I think so much of my life has been living in this narrative of like the world is not meant for you know anyone who's not a white man mm-hmm. and like you need to play the game and you need to get people before they get you and you need to look out for yourself because no one else is looking out for you and you need to like you know yeah leave before you're left and swing before you're swung at so I don't know I, I think that it's just taken a long time for me to realize that that's not true and like it's so much more gratifying and uh painless not painless but like because that's the thing you you don't feel pain when yeah. you go through life like that yeah. because the whole point is to avoid yourself and to protect your or yeah protect yourself from harm but at the same time you don't experience very much and you also walk around the world feeling very distrustful because you don't trust anyone so you assume that everyone else in the world has that same worldview and they're all trying to get you yeah you know that your shield's up yeah yeah and you're like everybody's trying to fuck me over so and to me i also i think i also romanticize like a street smart idea of me that like never had to be put to the test because like i lived in a fucking middle class white neighborhood in san diego but i think there was some part of me that was like i'm tough i can make it i can do this i'm scrappy on my own and i still think that's true but anyways it's just so much more fulfilling to go through life with an open heart and to feel like i know who i am and i have integrity and i i want to be very true And I think that's also a big part of me trying to grow up is releasing the lying thing. Mm Because I also think that has a big, that has much to do with not only just me being an only child, but like my childhood and um, feeling like, one, I was playing the game, and two, which is just like manipulation, that's all that is. And then two, like feeling, feeling like it was a sense of self-preservation, and I didn't have anybody who's looking out for me. Yeah. So you just have yourself. Yeah. But then that mutates and morphs and yeah. becomes destructive. I'm just so proud of you, because I think about like how far. I mean, I, you know, I've I've known you for like what now, like four years, mm-hmm. maybe longer. Four? Um, but I just, not even like that. I just think about like our friendship and how I I think about our communication from then to now and how like just last night I was just like singing and being stupid and you were just sort of like, I love you. You know what I mean? And I think about like how there was probably a point in your life where you would thought that was hard to say. Um, and like how you let me hold you now I guess it's just I'm, I'm very proud of you because yeah. it's I, it's fucking scary to like let that go and feel feelings hard feelings is hard it's so hard especially when you you were taught not to and taught that that, that was a bad thing yeah. like I just I, I just want to acknowledge how much fucking strength you have well, thank you that means a lot to me I also it, it just like I 
on my woo-woo train. Like, there's, <laughs> there was a reason we were supposed to meet. I know. I know. It gets, I know he said it before, but just, like, the fact that you were walking through life totally closed off and numb, and I was walking through life vomiting my feelings on everyone. Wound. Like. I know. I know. That is a balancing act. Tornado means a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so crazy. It's just so crazy because I feel like you've taught me so much about protecting myself, about, like, protecting myself. Oh, I already said that one. <laughs> <laughs> me forgets what I just was said. But I was supposed to, sorry, like, respecting myself, I guess is what I meant. Like, not chasing after people who wouldn't chase me. You know, like, I just feel like I've learned so much from you. Um, yeah, so... I'm right back at you. I mean, it goes without saying, I feel like the more time I spend with you, the more... And it's it's both in seeing the way that you live, but also, like, getting to live with you. And, like, we've talked about before, getting to have this space to feel safe. Like, you're somebody that, you know, I desperately needed as a child. And this friendship is very, like, healing to to that part of me, that, like, inner child part, because it is somebody who's, like whatever you're feeling is okay. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You know, like, I understand. I see you. You're safe. Everything's going to be fine. And just having that baseline, which seems so easy, just opens everything else up. You know? And also just having somebody to process things with, without judgment, without feeling like... That's another thing, too. I think a lot of my life I had somebody my mother I think I had somebody telling me exactly what I should do all the time yeah and so I think there's a really beautiful thing about having us be able to support one another but also just be like it's up to you yeah what's your next move man because I think you're the smartest bitch I ever met well that's the fucking nicest thing anyone's ever said to me so I'm like this is my opinion this is how I feel but the ball's in your court, baby, because you're you're the Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> you're the Michael Jordan of making your own life decisions. <laughs> and I'm just on the side like going, woo, yeah, maybe don't do that, but you can. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's 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 very interesting. I I don't know, deep diving into childhood relationships uh, into like now, because I was thinking like while you were talking, like how you felt like you always had to be alone and I was thinking about me and I felt like I always had to be with someone Mm. like to survive like whether it was clinging on to my parents like I was saying where I was like I need to just like I I, there was a while where I couldn't do sleepovers Mm. I was the bitch at the sleepover that would be like I need to go home I love this party I love this party and everyone go to sleep and knock on the parents door and be like can you call my parents (laughs) can you call my parents uh I did that so much as a child, and there was times, I have a vivid memory, where I I stayed over at someone's house, we watched, like, Scary Movie 2, and that freaked me out, and I remember, like, laying under the blanket uh, and being like, I have to go home, but I remember before I went over, my dad was like, you can't call us, you can't call us like you do, you have to stay, are you sure you can do that, and I go, yeah, 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 I can do it, dad, stop, and then I remember being like, 
Oh, fuck. I have to call my dad. And I remember him being so mad at me. You still did it? Yes! Damn, son. Because I couldn't sleep. I was literally having a panic attack. Holy fuck. Um, I, I didn't know that as a child. I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah sweep. Um, but I remember he kind of picked me up. He was so mad. And I remember being like, I am a baby. I cannot do things. <laughs> uh, um, but, like... Obviously, having a, a codependent relationship with my parents as a child, and then as an uh, growing up, like always feeling like I could make friends really easily, but always feeling like I needed a best friend. Mm. Like I, I had a best friend like through my elementary school, um, and then when I hit middle schools, when I had like my uh, dynamic with like a girl when we became like super codependent mm. super one unit super like i'm gonna give you everything i can uh and then that took over my life until high school and then after high school i started dating my first boyfriend mm-hmm. and then that was super codependent for like two and a half years and then that ended and then we were we met mm-hmm. and i think my initial reaction was like okay it's happening again this is my codependent like i've done this rodeo and you were like oh, no 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 and i was like oh no 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 and then i was like yeah no 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 like i've seen how this ends and i just i just i don't think i ever realized that i've spent so much of my life clinging so desperately onto someone and this is the first time in my life that i don't feel like i'm doing that that's I feel like we've talked about this all the time, but also, like, to hear you say that is insane. <laughs> no, I, I... Yeah, like, putting it out like that, I don't think I've realized how much of my time in this world I've, I've spent with my fucking fingernails in someone. With our relationship, do you feel like there was a specific moment or, like, a time where you realized that that wasn't something that was going to happen with us? Yes, I. This is really funny. This is really funny because when I brought it up, you were like, "I don't remember this even being a problem," and I thought it was the end of the fucking world. Oh my god! Uh, it was when it was when our roommate Colby was moving out, and we were getting a new roommate, and you told me that you didn't want to um. spend. You wanted to move rooms and not be in my room anymore, or whatever us share a room anymore, and. I remember feeling like all my old bullshit coming up like I remember thinking like catastrophic thinking like oh god I did it I pushed Carly away I ruined this I ruined every like I literally was like any thought I could have it was just like it wasn't even it was not based in reality yeah um and I it was so weird because I was I was sitting on my garage floor and I was just like crying and then I thought all of a sudden it hit me where I was like I was like all Carly wants is space like she's not saying she doesn't want me to be in her life she's not saying she doesn't like me and I love Carly and if Carly wants space that's Carly's gonna get fucking space like that's how I thought like and I was like and then for some reason it clicked in my brain where I was like I just was like oh this is a turning point. Mm. Like, you could walk down the path that you've taken and you could destroy something or let something destroy you. Or you can let things happen 
love someone fully and accept that they're their own person and you are your own person. Mm-hmm. And I swear, ever since that day, like, I don't know, I've felt like my feet have been on the ground. That is so insane. It's re- I really felt... <laughs> it just really felt... It was. I can't even explain it. I talked to my therapist about this because it was such a pivotal moment in my, like, healing process. It just felt like I let... I just released everything. And I was like... Because I do remember that. I do remember that. Um, and it was also weird because we were... In separate. Yeah, we were, like, in separate states. So this was all happening over text and FaceTime, which it's not the ideal way to communicate about this kind of stuff. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, I remember it was, it was weird. Anytime that we have any sort of housing situation where... Because it's a constant thing. We're college students. But... Anytime somebody moves out, we have to get somebody new in, and there's variables, and there's, like, opportunities for a change in the house. Another reason I'm so grateful for us to just have this place now. Um, It's very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember you being like, I think I'm going to move out. Yeah. And I was like, you're what? (laughs) That was just me trying to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, we, again, we see the same, all of our own stuff coming up yeah you know mm-hmm. the stuff we talk about all the time well and it's just so funny because like when I decided to let things go and not not self-destruct like I did it was like the best thing for both of us like I feel like I've grown so much in that moment and like really enjoyed having my own fucking room yeah uh it's just so it's just so crazy when you you give life a chance you know you have to be willing. Well, it was fucked up. I mean, it also was, like, right immediately after that, we had a horrible living situation. Yeah, that was shitty. But then, you know. It came back around. Yeah. And now I feel like the stars are kind of aligned. I love the fact that we have our own space. And we also, like... I, we don't need to dive into it. I could talk forever about how happy I am living here with you. I'm happy, too. But yeah. I'm very happy, too. Um... We create our adult families, our chosen families. My tummy is popping off. You hungry? I think so. I think so. We got to end the episode to eat. Yeah. But I don't have any food here. I have to... I can make soup. I got some soup today. Okay. Maybe we make soup. Make some soup. Mm, I got some soup. Mm. Sweet mm. and nourishing. Mm. Oh, my oh my gosh. I know. I know. Uh, okay. How? I'm trying to think of something like one. Give me one more anecdote, like a story about you being the younger child to end it. And I'm gonna do one about being. Wait, only child for you. I have a story like that. It's the epitome of being the younger child. Is what I mean. Being. Do you have? Can you think of one? Yeah. Um. I have a memory of <laughs> like how how sad. Um, another classic parent memory, but like I was in New York. I was at a wedding with my parents, and there was an open bar, and they both got sloshed, and then they couldn't find their way back to the uh, hotel. And it was just us walking around Manhattan, um, and they were both pissed at each other and like yelling at each other. And 
running around trying to find their way back and meanwhile I was just like in a little I think it was probably like 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like following along and eventually I found a stranger and I was like can you tell us where a hotel is (laughs) please and then we eventually got back but it's again it's just one of those things where I'm like it's really me out here with my two parents like acting like big children yeah and I have to be the adult yeah and I'm I'm the child literally a kid yeah alone in a city I don't know yeah um I have two younger sibling ones uh one I have a vivid memory of this one Christmas where uh I got a ton of gifts like the most gifts like way more than my sisters um but they're all like individually wrapped like Polly Pockets like you know it was like a bunch of little shit yeah I remember them being so mad and me being like (laughs) I get to do most gifts um and I remember like that was like the epitome of my life was I was like I, I, I love, everyone would love me the most. And I got a pink, uh, Razor scooter. Oh my God. Um, but another one I have is, uh, one time my sister read my journal and it was like one of those journals where it was like voice activated. Uh, and you had to be like, the secret code is washing machine. What? I didn't know this existed. Mm -hmm. That's fucking cool. And my middle sister, I think, read it and it was just me writing me and Zach Efron's name. Mm -hmm. I just put like, Katie and Zach, Katie and Zach. But she read it and I was like, so betrayed. And of course I was like, you know what I did? I ran to the bathroom. I slammed the door and I just was screaming. I was like, how could you do this? (laughs) How could you do this to me? (laughs) Betray! Yeah, and then my mom was like, "What's going on?" And of course, my mom's like, "You can't, you can't do that to her." Like she's obviously. And I'm like, "How did I get you? How did you just?" Uh, and I was just like, literally, like having a meltdown in the bathroom alone. Oh and I'm God. assuming they were just laughing at me. <laughs> also, another one, one more. This, this story will legitimately haunt me. Like I think if I yeah. die, this if I die, they will tell us at my funeral. Um, it was elementary school graduation whatever we went to this fucking sushi place called kabuki kabuki we get this giant sushi boat it's Mm. it's me my sister kelly shannon and then uh like a family like a family kids that were also like a part of our family so they were all there and then like my mom was there um and kelly likes to tell it my middle sister likes to tell it that i went Ooh, shrimp. And I reached to get the shrimp and I pulled my hand back and I knocked iced tea all over myself. And I was at the end of the booth and Kelly and Jimmy were in the the outside of the booth and they all start laughing at me and and I start crying, but they won't get out of the booth because they're all laughing at me. So I'm sitting there crying. I'm soaking wet and everyone's laughing at me. And finally, like, Kelly gets up, and I run outside, and I, like, have a huge breakdown, because I'm like, my dress got ruined, and everyone laughed at me, and I'm so embarrassed, uh, but they fucking love that story. (laughs) They fucking, I hear that story every goddamn time I come home. They just, (laughs) to you, it's, like, this very traumatic Traumatic moment, and to them, it's just, like, that funny time you did something funny. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it, it is a funny story, but I did not have fun. Oh, no. I did and not have swim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
And if that's not the epitome of being the youngest child, just, just the butt of the crying joke. and everyone laughing at you, I don't know. That's it. That's exactly it. 